Welcome to the Redeem and Regenerated Podcast. This is Alex Mateo, and I am your host. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Today is Resurrection Sunday, April 4th, 2021. We celebrate that Jesus is risen and the tomb was empty 2,000 years ago. This is an expository apologetics podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to proclaim God's word and the gospel while also answering objections of the Christian faith with the power of God's word. I will speak the truth in love while remaining committed to be real, raw, bold, and unashamed in defending the Christian faith. I'm not here to please men or tickle people's ears. If I were here for the approval of men or our culture or this world, then I wouldn't be a servant of God who has called me to preach. I won't tell you what you want to hear. I will tell you what you need to hear. I will tell you the truth and only the truth. But what is the truth? The Bible is the truth. It is the word of God. It is inerrant, sufficient, and authoritative. 2 Timothy 3.16-17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the men of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I've called this podcast a Redeem and Regenerated podcast because to be redeemed is to be atoned for, as to be saved from the wrath of God by the grace of God through Jesus Christ for the glory of God. To be regenerated is to be born again of the Spirit. One of my modern day heroes of the faith, Pastor Paul Washer, in his sermon known as the shocking message, stood on God's word as his authority to preach the truth and said this. I'll preach as a dying man. The dying men and women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. And I will tell you things that you will misunderstand. And I will tell you things that make you so angry with me. And I'll tell you things that you will deny. Because if I correctly interpret this passage of scripture that I'm going to give you, it is as though God were speaking through a man. And your problem will not be with me. It will be with God and his word. So the only question that really has to be decided here this afternoon is, is this man before us a false prophet? Or is he telling us the truth? And if he is telling us the truth, then nothing else matters except conforming our lives to that truth. What a way to start a sermon. Bold as a lion. The entire sermon is worth listening to. I highly recommend it. It's actually one of my favorite. I will include the link in the episode's details. Brother Paul often says, I am not a prophet or the son of a prophet. Well, neither am I, but I will proclaim the truth and stand on God's word as my authority also. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the first episode of this podcast and it's called Not Ashamed of the Gospel. I am eager to preach the gospel to all of you and tell you why I am not ashamed of it. As the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.16, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. I begin by reading Romans 1.16-19. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, 
for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. So what is the gospel and why am I not ashamed of it? The gospel is God's one and only message. It has the power to save and change the hearts of men and women. It is both bad and good news. I'm not ashamed of it, for it is the power to salvation. The gospel is the best news I have ever heard, received, and come to understand. God used the gospel to save me and transform my life. He turned my mess into my message, and I hope he does the same for you. For us to actually accept and receive the good news with joy and thanksgiving, we must first hear and understand the bad news. Listen carefully, and please allow me to begin by explaining the bad news. First and foremost, the one true God, creator of the universe, this world, and mankind is holy and just. Due to his holiness, he cannot have anything to do with sin. Due to his justice, he must judge and punish sin. Isaiah 6.3 says, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Psalm 89.14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Ecclesiastes 3.7 says, I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every matter and for every work. But what is sin? Sin is the transgression of the law. 1 John 3.4 tells us that whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. In other words, when we sin, we are breaking God's laws and committing a crime against them, which deserves the death penalty. Not sure if you know this, but every 10 out of 10 people die. Just like taxes, we cannot escape death. As a matter of fact, on average, 150,000 people die every day. Tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone, not to you, not to me. But what is the law and what is the purpose of it? The law are the Ten Commandments, also known as the moral laws that God gave to Moses in the Old Testament. We will review a few of those here in just a minute, but before we do that, let me explain the purpose of the law. I'm sure you've heard the saying, laws were made to be broken. Not true. God did not create the law so that we would break them, but instead he gave them to us to show us our total depravity and our inability to keep them, no matter how hard we try. God wants us to see that the law cannot save us. The law is the sign to show us our need for God. The law is the tutor that leads us to Christ as our Savior. It is by repentance and faith in Jesus that we are justified and regenerated through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. You see, we have all broken the law and we are not good people. No one is. Not even the nicest person you know or the sweet old lady that lives across the street from you. She's a sinner too. If any parents are listening to this, you out of all people know and can attest to the doctrine of original sin. I'm confident to say that you didn't have to teach your children how to be selfish, how to lie, be jealous, not want to share. They've learned that all on their own. The reason for that is that we are all born sinners. Go ahead and listen to the short clip from a sermon Vodi Bakum preached. It is so hilarious and true. 
people who don't believe in original sin don't have children. Amen, somebody. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's not a little angel. That's a viper in a diaper. The angry cry happens early. The demanding cry happens early. The stiffening up of the body, that happens early. It's so cute. Oh, that ain't cute. (laughs) One of the reasons God makes them so small is so that they won't kill you. One of the reasons he makes them so cute is so that you won't kill them. I couldn't stop laughing. I have a six-year-old boy, a soon-to-be two-year-old girl, and a newborn baby girl. And they are such a gift from God. I love them all. But I'll be the first to tell you and admit they are sinful. I'm with Pastor Bacham here. These kids are vipers and diapers. Perhaps by now you may be wondering, so what happens when we break the law or what is the big deal? Well, in civil law, a good judge must punish crime. If he turns a blind eye to injustice, then he is corrupt and he himself should be punished. Therefore, it makes sense that if God is good and just, he should punish all who have sinned against him. This is the teaching of the Bible, that God will by no means clear the guilty. He will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. You might be thinking right now, well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm a good person. I've done more good things than bad things in my life. Isn't God full of love and mercy? Won't he just forgive me and overlook my sins? I'm good. I once made a decision for Jesus. I said the sinner's prayer and I invited Jesus into my heart. Well, listen to this carefully. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Let me give you an example to further help you understand that on Judgment Day, God cannot simply overlook our sins. I was drinking and driving. I crashed and I tragically ended up killing the other driver. When I faced the judge for my crime, I told the judge, Your Honor, I'm really sorry. I've made a huge mistake. I wholeheartedly regret drinking and driving, but hear me out and let me plead my case. I have given money to the poor. I grew up in a good home and I have never been arrested before. Can't you just overlook my offense and let me go? I promise not to do this again. I'm better than most people. If that judge were to let me go and just turn a blind eye to my murder, then he or she is corrupt. And they deserve to go to jail too. You see, we have deceived ourselves to believe that we are good people because we want to feel better about ourselves. And we compare ourselves to other people who are worse than we are instead of comparing ourselves to a holy God. We must see and understand our brokenness and our need to be saved. If at this point you still believe that you're a good person, allow me to prove to you that you are not. 
As I mentioned earlier, we have all fallen short of God's glory and broken his laws. Let's look briefly at just a few of the Ten Commandments to prove the point. Let's look at the Seventh Commandment, which says, Do not commit adultery. Have you ever lusted after someone? If you are anything like me, you've lusted after someone probably more than once. You've also had sex before marriage. I did. And probably you've also watched pornography. I did too. In Matthew 5.28, Jesus said, But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Therefore, if we've lusted after someone or committed sexual immorality, we are adulterers. The Eighth Commandment we'll look at says, Do not steal. Have you ever stolen something? Most of us have stolen something at least once. Perhaps we've stolen something small. Or we downloaded music legally. Both are still considered stealing. That makes us thieves. We're going to look at the Ninth Commandment, which says, Do not bear false witness. In other words, do not lie. Have you ever lied before? Perhaps you've lost count on how many lies you've said throughout your entire life. And yes, white lies do count. That, my friends, makes us liars. If we've answered these questions honestly, then by our own admission, we are adulterers, thieves, and liars. Hypothetically speaking, even if we only had broken one of these commandments, we are still condemned and in need of a Savior and forgiveness. In summary, the bad news is that we are all guilty of breaking God's perfect laws, and we deserve wrath and punishment. The Bible says that the just punishment for our sins is an eternal separation from a holy God, and the destination that faces wrath is hell. Psalm 145.20 says, The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Matthew 10.28 says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You see, the greatest problem in all of scripture is how can God, who is just and holy, cover our sin and allow us into his presence for eternity? Here comes the good news and what I am most excited to share with you. Praise be to God that the death Jesus died on the cross is sufficient to pay for all of our sins and grant us everlasting life. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 14.6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, the Son of God, was fully man and fully God, came into this world 2,000 years ago, born of a virgin, to live the perfect life we could never live. He suffered and died the brutal death on the cross we deserved for our sins. It was at the cross that the Son first experienced God's wrath and the separation from His Father that we should experience throughout all eternity. He willingly took our place and bore our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. At the cross, Jesus satisfied eternal justice as our perfect sacrifice when he cried out, Tetelestai, which is Greek for, it is finished. On the third day after his death, Jesus rose again and defeated death. The tomb was empty. Jesus resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus paid the fine to God the Father for us in full, and death and Satan were defeated. 1 Corinthians 15, 55-57 says, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. If you do your research, you will come to find out that over 500 people saw Jesus after the resurrection. It's not a fairy tale. Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies about the promised Savior written in the Holy Scriptures hundreds of years before his birth. He is now seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he is returning for his second coming. Hebrews 10.12 says, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Matthew 24.42 says, Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Perhaps by now you may be wondering, what must one do to be saved? Well, I'm glad you asked. One must repent and believe. Mark 1, 14 to 15 says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. All world religions, such as Islam and Roman Catholicism, give their followers a list of things to do to earn salvation. Christianity, on the other hand, is set apart and it stands alone, claiming that through Jesus' sacrifice and promise, it is finished. Therefore, we cannot earn, gain, or lose our salvation. It was paid in full. All we must do is accept the gift, repent, and believe. Ephesians 2, 1-10 says, And you... He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now, who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. John 10, 27 to 29 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I close with this analogy in a few more words. Imagine you are on an airplane 25,000 feet high, and suddenly you hear this. This is your captain speaking. I have an announcement to make. As the tail section has just fallen off this plane, we're about to crash. 
There's a parachute under your seat. We appreciate it if you put it on. Thank you for your attention, and thank you for flying with this airline. You say to yourself, 25,000 feet? I don't need a parachute. I'm good. I'll just jump off this plane and try to save myself. My friend, that would be ludicrous. If you were to jump out of the plane without the parachute, you will perish because you've transgressed the law of gravity. Had you put on the parachute, you would have been saved. You see, if a sinner refuses to trust in Jesus Christ when he passes through the door of death, he will perish. This isn't because he refused to trust the Savior, but because he transgressed the law of God. Had he put on the Lord Jesus Christ, he would have been saved. But because he refused to repent, he will suffer the full consequences of his sin. See, the good news is that we don't have to appease God to receive his favor. He already gave us a sign and showed his love for us by sending Jesus to die on the cross in our place. Psalm 145, 18-19 also tells us, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. Friends, I invite you to repent from your sins, which means to simply turn away from them and to turn to God. Go to him and confess that you are a sinner and you are in need of Christ as your Savior. If you forsake your sinful life and instead walk according to God's ways, he is faithful to forgive you and cleanse you. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-10 to 10 says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have held fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Also in 1 John chapter 3 verse 9, it says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. Now, let me clarify that. It doesn't mean that we will no longer sin once we're saved. Yes, we will continue to struggle with sin, because our flesh will still be alive. But we will no longer be slaves to sin. We no longer have to live in sin. While we may stumble, we get back up. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have freedom, freedom in Christ to no longer continue sinning as we used to. And as we are born again, His Holy Spirit will help us learn to hate what God hates and love what He loves. We will be sanctified and one day in heaven be glorified. I pray that we may believe that Jesus died and pay for our sins, that he was buried and resurrected at the third day. John 5, 24 says, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. In conclusion, we are saved by God, from God, for God, 
unto the glory of God. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, died for our sins and rose again. He's eternally triumphant over all his enemies, so that there is now no condemnation for those of us who believe, but only everlasting joy. Friends, if we are in Christ, we have been purified and washed clean. Isaiah 118 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they should be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they should become like wool. Friends, I invite you to search the scriptures daily and see what God has in store for those who that love him. If you have been regenerated and redeemed, honor Christ's command to be baptized if you haven't been baptized. Find yourself a Jesus, gospel-centered, Bible-teaching church and commit yourself to it. If you have heard and responded to the gospel, then you must live each day in the light of its truth, shining the light of Christ into a dark world. Those who have not responded to the gospel are exhorted to respond today and not harden their heart. For it is appointed for each of us to die once and then to face judgment. One day, every knee will bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. You have the opportunity to bow today. Don't wait another day for tomorrow is not guaranteed. Today is the day of salvation. Beloved friends, please feel free to share the podcast and all the episodes with friends and family on your social media platforms or wherever you feel led to. My ultimate goal and prayer is that the gospel of Christ is proclaimed and God gets the glory. Don't forget to subscribe and continue tuning in. I also invite you to send any comments or questions you would like addressed or answered in future episodes to redeemandregenerated at gmail.com. This is your host, Alex Mateo, with the Redeem and Regenerated podcast. May God bless you all.